0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: You lay aside God's law and you substitute your own tradition, your own rules in place of God's Word. And here with the analogies of the patch and the wineskin, Jesus again, he's not talking about the old covenant versus the new covenant, he's not talking about law versus grace, He's talking about the Bible versus man-made rules.
0: Don't confuse the Bible with man-made rules and traditions. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan, he encourages you that God's Word is the truth. Anything or anyone that adds or subtracts from God's Word is contributing to false teaching. Pastor Dan encourages you to stay on guard against false teaching by Studying the Bible regularly for yourself. Make it a daily and weekly habit to study God's Word. This way you will know the truth, and the truth of God's Word is what sets you free. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 9 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: Matthew chapter 9, we left off at verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And so Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. And when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all the land. Well, Matthew wrote this gospel to a Jewish audience primarily. And he writes to show that Jesus is the Messiah and King of the Jews, that is promised in the Old Testament scriptures. In chapters 8 and 9, Matthew gives us a compilation of miracles that Jesus performed that show his identity and shows it very clearly that he's the Messiah, also shows his deity. In verse 14, we're told that the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus with a question about fasting. Now, I think for many of us, we assume that when Jesus began his public ministry, that the disciples of John left following John and began following Jesus. But that's not entirely true. We see here that John still had disciples following him. In fact, in the book of Acts, chapter 19. So, way past the Gospels, right? Acts chapter 19, Paul encounters disciples of John in the city of Ephesus. So, John still had disciples that were following him. Uh, John, at this point, was in prison, and some of the disciples of John came to Jesus, and again in verse 14, They said, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? The Pharisees questioned Jesus about why he ate with sinners and tax collectors. And now the question is, why don't you fast? At this point, everything Jesus did was scrutinized. (laughs) Even his eating habits, right? Now, we've talked about fasting before, earlier in the Gospel of Matthew. Fasting, essentially, is when you deny your flesh of something to focus on the Spirit. Usually, when a person fasts, they fast from food or from certain foods for a period of time. But you really can fast from anything. You can fast from the Internet. You can fast from watching the news, which might be a good thing for all of us at this time. But again, it's just denying yourself of something usually food, so that you can focus on the spiritual, so you can focus on prayer and seeking the Lord. Fasting sharpens our spiritual senses. Now, here's the thing. Listen, the law of Moses. Remember, these are Jews. They're under the law of Moses. The law of Moses required fasting on one day of the year, the day of atonement. And that's recorded in Leviticus 16, verse 29, if you're taking notes. That's the only day of the year Jewish people were required by God to fast. Now, there were other occasions in the Bible when people fasted. For example, during times of national calamity, uh, like when King Saul and his son Jonathan were killed in battle. We read in the Old Testament that the nation of Israel fasted after the death of their king. Daniel, the prophet, of course, fasted sometimes called the Daniel fast David fasted when his his child was sick and dying we read that David fasted the Jewish people fasted as a nation in the book of Esther in the New Testament the disciples also fasted there are many occasions in the Bible when people fasted but those fasts were all voluntary by choice they weren't required the law required one day, a year, that people should fast. But look at verse 14 again. The disciples of John fasted often. We don't know how often. And the Pharisees fasted often. Now, we know the Pharisees fasted twice a week. Uh, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee says, I fast twice a week. The Pharisees fasted every Monday and every Thursday of every week. And maybe John's disciples followed that same practice of the Pharisees and fasted twice a week. We don't know. So God required people to fast one day a year. Required. The Pharisees required people to fast 104 days a year. 52 times 2. That's the requirement that they put on people. Now, notice the disciples of John asked Jesus two questions, really. Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? That's the first question. But your disciples do not fast. That's the second question. And if you notice here, Jesus doesn't answer the first question about why they fast so often. (laughs) By being silent, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, I can't tell you why you fast so often. God doesn't require it. You tell me why you fast so often. He doesn't answer the first question, but he does answer the second question. in Verse 15, Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus uses the imagery of a wedding here. And the imagery of a wedding is used often in the New Testament to describe Jesus's relationship to his church, with Jesus as the groom and the church as his bride. A wedding, as you know, is a time of celebration. It's not a time of mourning. It's not a time of of fasting. If you were invited to a wedding and on the wedding invitation, it said for the reception, we're going to spend the time praying and fasting, you're going to skip the reception. We'll just go to the wedding and go out to eat or something. A wedding is a joyous occasion with food and a DJ and, you know, the the, the cha-cha shuffle or whatever and the Cupid shuffle and all those stupid dances that we do at weddings. Jesus said here, you know, do the wedding guests mourn when they are with the groom? And of course not. While Jesus is here on earth, it's a time to celebrate. But look at the end of verse 15. Jesus says, but the days will come. When the bridegroom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Now, this is a veiled reference to his death. And this is the first time Jesus makes reference to his death in the Gospel of Matthew. Later in the Gospel, he will get more specific and direct, especially the closer he gets to his crucifixion. In fact, in Matthew chapter 20, Jesus will make it very plain to his disciples. He will say, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. That's pretty clear. This is why Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth. Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for our sins. This was his purpose in coming. This was his mission to offer himself as a substitute in our place, to die in our place. The disciples will sorrow and fast when Jesus is taken away and crucified. But their sorrow will be temporary because on the third day he'll rise again from the dead, he'll be resurrected. So now, when Jesus is with the disciples, now it's not the time for his disciples to fast. Now it's time to celebrate. By the way, the Bible tells us that one day the Lord will come for his church and take us all to heaven. And you know what we're going to do in heaven? We're going to have a great big feast called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. We're going to have a big celebration, a wedding reception in heaven with Jesus.
0: We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app.
1: We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com.
0: What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth.
1: Now, Jesus used this question about fasting as an opportunity to teach a larger point about his ministry and its relationship to Judaism. Look at verse 16. He says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse, nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, some of you may remember when you bought blue jeans with no holes in them. You actually made your own holes in your blue jeans. Today, you pay extra money for holes in your blue jeans. This is what is wrong with this current generation, right? (laughs) They don't even know how to make holes in their jeans. We need to get back to... Somebody hummed the battle hymn of the republic, right? We need to get back to... And it used to be when you got a hole in your jeans, your mom would sew a patch on the hole or iron on a patch on the hole. How many of you remember iron-on patches? How many of you remember that in some cereals, breakfast cereals, they would include a patch as the toy surprise in the box of cereal. I, as a child, ate Cocoa Puffs every single day of my life for breakfast, and I had Cocoa Puff patches on my jeans and my corduroys, covering the holes. So here, Jesus says, if you take an unshrunk patch, and you sew it onto an old garment that is already shrunk, When you wash it, that patch is going to shrink and then tear the garment, and the tear will be made worse. You can't sew an unshrunk patch onto an old garment. Neither do you put new wine into old wineskin. Now, in those days, they would use the skin of a goat or a lamb to make a container to hold wine. Maybe for the next men's breakfast, we could do a little craft Women always do crafts at their events. Men never seem to do crafts. Maybe we could butcher some goats out in the parking lot and make some wine skins. Just an idea. But we, of course, would put grape juice in those wine skins. Welch's. New wine, then, is put into a new wine skin. And what happens is as the wine ferments, it expands. It gives off gas and it expands. And it would stretch the wine skin. And an old wineskin then is already stretched. So if you put new wine into an old wineskin, that old wineskin won't stretch as the wine ferments and expands. And that old wineskin will break and the wine will spill. The wineskin will be ruined. And so you put new wine into a new wineskin that is still flexible and and can expand with the wine. Now, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying he's not patching up the existing religious system of Judaism. He's not just putting a patch on it. And covering the holes. The existing system. Can't be patched up. It can't be repaired. It can't be fixed. It's beyond repair. The old system that exists can't contain what Jesus was ushering in. So Jesus is saying, I'm making something entirely new that's outside of this existing system. It's new wine for a new wineskin. But here's the thing, I want you to give me your attention. Jesus is not talking about setting aside the law of Moses. He's not talking about setting aside the Old Testament. The law is not the old wineskin. That is how this is often interpreted. The law is not the old wineskin. Romans chapter 7, verse 12 says, The commandments are holy, just, and good. There's nothing wrong with the commandments. There's nothing wrong with the law. The law is holy, just, and good. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law of Moses, but to fulfill the law of Moses. The old wineskin is not the law, it's not the Old Testament. The old wineskin is the religious system the Jewish people have created for themselves. That is really based on rabbinical traditions and man-made rules and regulations. It's this man-made thing that they've created. That's what he's setting aside. That's what's beyond repair. In the Gospels, these rules and regulations are referred to as the traditions of the elders. Or the traditions of men. I'll just show you one example real quick. Turn over to chapter 15 of Matthew. Chapter 15. Look at verse 1. Now the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Their man-made rules. the rabbinical rules. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now look what Jesus says in verse 3. He answered and said to them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? The Jews had these traditions and these rules and regulations that came from their rabbis. And the Jews called this the oral law. They still call it the oral law today. So you had the written law from Moses. Then you had this oral law, this set of rules that came from their rabbis. Today, it's codified in what's called the Mishnah. These are all man-made rules that you must keep. And here's what happened. Over time, within Judaism, the traditions and the rules superseded the Bible. They became more important than what the Bible actually says. Fasting is just one example. Again, as I said a few minutes ago, the Bible says to the Jewish people, you must fast one day a year. The rabbinical rules say you must fast 104 days a year. And those rabbinical rules, that oral law, became more important than the actual Bible. And Jesus and the religious leaders get in conflict over this in the Gospels. And the oral law has thousands of rules like this. In Mark chapter 7, verse 8, listen to what Jesus said to the religious leaders here. Mark chapter 7, verse 8, he said, You lay aside God's law and substitute your own tradition. You lay aside God's law and you substitute your own tradition, your own rules in place of God's word. And here, with the analogies of the patch and the wineskin, Jesus, again, he's not talking about the old covenant versus the new covenant. He's not talking about law versus grace. He's talking about the Bible versus man-made rules. He's talking about the Bible versus not Bible. That would be the name of a good game show, right? Bible versus not Bible. Is it Bible? Is it not Bible, right? He's talking about. God's word. Listen, he's talking about God's word versus man's word. He's talking about God's wisdom. Versus man's wisdom. And they departed from what the word of God, what the Bible actually says, and they have gotten so far away from the Bible, there's no patching it up. There's no repairing it. There's no. Fixing it, it is just too different from what God intended in his word. So Jesus said, I'm I'm just doing a new thing here. It's a new thing. It's new wine and a new wineskin. Now, listen to me. Give me your attention. The issue, the issue, it's always God's word versus man's word. God's wisdom versus man's wisdom. That is still the issue today. This was the issue in the Protestant Reformation. The Bible versus man's words. That is still the issue today. What happened in Judaism happens in churches and happens in denominations. Even to this day, it's still the issue. Churches and denominations can depart from the word. They can depart from the Bible. They can depart from sound doctrine. We're not talking about style. I'm not talking about like hymns versus contemporary worship or, you know, suits versus come as you are casual dress. No, we're talking about Bible versus not Bible. God's word versus man's word. God's wisdom versus man's wisdom. And churches depart from the Bible. Denominations depart from the Bible. They depart from sound doctrine. In fact, the Bible tells us That in the last days, people will not endure sound doctrine. They will turn away from the truth. They will give heed to seducing spirits. They'll be seduced. By false teaching. So we should expect it to happen because the Bible says this is what's going to happen in the last days. And churches and denominations can get so far away from the Bible that there's just no patching it up. There's no repairing it. There's no reforming it. There's no bringing it back to sound doctrine or bringing it back to the Bible. And if you attempt to fix it, it's like putting a new patch on an old garment. You're just going to make the tear worse. And so God has to just do a new thing. He asked me how I know. And I say bring sure than the.
0: You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Matthew, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. This is a book that may cause you to be curious about the history before and also what comes after. If you're wondering about something you heard today, would you give us a call? Our number is 410-491-4592. We'd be happy to talk with you about anything you heard today, or to hear about how these messages are impacting your life. We'd also love to know about any prayer requests you might have. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. Would you be willing to pray for the ministry of Ring of Truth? So many listeners may be hearing life-giving scripture they might not hear elsewhere. What an opportunity to reach people who are lost and without hope in the world. We'd be grateful for your prayers as the Word is going out through these messages. If you'd like some specifics, we'd ask that you pray that lives would be changed and that God's kingdom would have more and more souls join Him because of the truth of His Word. Thanks so much for listening today and for praying. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, we encourage you to go to CalvaryEC.com. Next time, Pastor Dan will continue on in the book of Matthew right here on Ring of Truth.
1: I see the signs and I recognize the hands that